Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book artist and marvellous man, Michael Walsh, about what comics he would take into an alien invasion apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the Comic Scene Comic Club. Available from just £5 a month, you can get monthly issues of the History of Comics 1930-2030, to monthly issues of the brand new Shift Comic Anthology, and two Comic Scene specials per year. To find out more and subscribe to the Comic Club visit comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Michael Walsh. How's it going? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, and it's it's one of those times where Twitter is actually a nice place um, because uh, I, I, I often include uh, the creators that, that kind of are mentioned on the show um in in the tweets in the hope that they'll see it and you were one of those big creators that saw it and um because you've you've been listed quite a few times in in our on our show um as a as a comic that would be taken into the apocalypse uh, and you kindly accepted the invitation to come on the show so thank you so much oh you're welcome i was flattered to be mentioned because i, I guess you can't bring too much into an apocalypse so no. Um, just the fact that they wanted somebody wanted my books there uh, made me feel good absolutely man absolutely now for anybody that hasn't come across you just yet uh, what do you do in the world of comics uh, I'm kind of a jack of all trades but I'm mostly known as an artist I've been working professionally for about eight years I started at image with uh, the creator-owned book called comeback and then jumped over to X-Files at IDW. And then from there, I worked at Marvel for uh, about six or seven years on all kinds of books from Star Wars to Spectacular Spider-Man to Secret Avengers. Um, Even did a a small run on Rocket Raccoon and Groot, uh, Vision, uh, tons of stuff, Hawkeye. And uh, more recently, I did Justice League uh, crossover with Black Hammer uh, with Jeff Lemire. That was last year with the, that was a collaboration between Dark Horse and DC. I also launched the Jughead, the hunger book, which is about Jughead turning into a werewolf at Archie. And then more recently this year, I've returned to creator own. So I'm working back at image and I'm got a new book coming out in April called the silver coin. And it's a horror anthology style with a shared world. So each issue is going to be a standalone issue with a new writer and I'm drawing the whole book and uh, writing some of it as well. And I'm kind of quarterbacking it. So I'm, I guess if it was a TV show, you would think of me as the showrunner that's mm. holding all it all together and making sure that it's a cohesive world. And, um, and yeah, so that launches the first issue comes out April 7th and that'll be the first issue is with Chip Starsky is writing and I'm drawing. The second issue is Kelly Thompson writing the third issue is Ed Brisson. The fourth issue is Jeff Lemire. And then the fifth issue is me writing. Uh, so each issue is kind of a different horror genre, takes place a, in a different um, a different time in world history. And uh, we're just building this really big, interesting, terrifying world. And I'm excited to put that out into the, into the universe now that uh, I've kind of gone back to doing um, exactly the kind of books that I want to, I would read as a consumer. 
That's fantastic. Um, and it, it, from what I've seen, it looks fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the initial response has been um, really exciting because we did uh, we did a bit of a teaser campaign where we were all releasing mm. just a name of the team each day for a week and trying to let the the fans guess what was happening. A lot of people thought somehow this was going to be a Walking Dead an- anthology, but right. that is uh, that is not what this is. But it's <laughs> it's going to be just as cool. I hope. And uh, I think people are really going to enjoy it, especially fans of horror. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, and is it just going to be a five five issue run? Sorry. Uh, well, we've got plans to do more, but I, that is all going to be dependent on you know mm. the sales of the book because right. yeah. for us, like we need to make a living, and this is pretty much what I've been working on for you know six or seven months at this point, mm. at least. Um, so we have to make sure that the book is selling well enough to support it. But we've got plans, and I've got more writers lined up for the second arc so hopefully we can get there um and that'll depend on people buying the book and pre-ordering and and uh, getting their lcs to order a good amount of copies right but uh yeah right now we have plans to keep going and i and i hope that that's the case 100 percent, man um and so where can people find you online to find out more about the silver coin uh so i'm mostly active on instagram and on twitter and on both platforms my username is mr spelt out so m-i-s-t-e-r underscore walsh um and yeah it's the same on both and i post a lot of art and sketches and i'm doing a lot more writing i'll have more books coming out that i'll be able to announce this year that i'm writing and drawing myself or writing for other artists so uh i'm kind of doing a lot more uh, a wider breadth of work over the last year or so and i'm excited to share all that and uh and i'll be giving little updates here and there on my my twitter and my instagram and then also, I forgot to mention, uh, I'm doing an ongoing webcomic called The Sleep Stories, and it's at thesleepstories.com, and it's just about my nightmares, because I've been kind of plagued with night terror since I was just a little kid, and um, wow. and I've decided one day to just start journaling them, and the response was really, really good on, on social media, so I thought I'd just make a dedicated site and do it every, every week or two, so it's kind of a, a free-flowing uh, train of consciousness webcomic just about my nightmares as they come and about some of the nightmares I've had throughout my life and the recurring nightmares I've had since I was a little kid. So it's it's pretty fun. It's really small, short stories, either ranging from one page, one panel to five pages. And uh, yeah, you can find that one at thesleepstories.com. Fantastic. And for all the folks at home, uh, those links are, of course, in the show notes. So go click through, follow Michael on Twitter, check out the sleep stories as we speak. Now, all of that aside, Michael, unfortunately, I've got some bad news for you. On top of what's going on at the moment with the pandemic and the copious amounts of snow that I'm sure that you're getting in Ontario, um, uh, there's actually been an alien invasion as well. Um, just to just to pile on <laughs> everything else. <Okay. laughs> so my question is for you: What is your action plan for survival? Well, I feel like if aliens were able to find Earth and invade, they're going to be so technologically advanced to where we are at as a species that we won't have a chance. So I think the mu- most important thing is going to be communication, and I. I'm the best at communicating through my art. So I'd probably bring uh, a pencil and paper so that I can communicate with the aliens who I would expect do not speak English. And, uh, and maybe we can build some friendships. Hopefully I'm not, I'm not going to bring a samurai sword to a fight where these people can travel in light speed (laughs) through dimensions and universes. And we can't even get close to that yet. So 
uh, yeah, I think communication would be the most important thing. That is a fantastic idea. Um, and uh, in in your initial communications with the aliens, you you try to um, explain about comics. Um, I, I guess I could, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you could give it a good old good good old college try. Um, and uh, there's some kind of telepathy, I think, going on here as well, because you start to understand kind of what they're they're questioning um and you just basically draw on your pen and paper and and the first telepathic question that they ask is what's the first comic you remember enjoying (laughs) uh so the first comic i remember enjoying would probably be the teenage mutant ninja turtles um my mom always tells the anecdote that i could finger paint ninja turtles before i could speak Uh, it was one of my first (laughs) things that i was really attached to as a fan as like a like pretty much a baby toddler and uh, I grew up with a comic book store down the street from me so I've been reading and digesting comics since as long as I can remember and uh, I would walk down there with my mom or dad and we'd pick up a Ninja Turtles comic or two and they would read them to me and it's and it kind of sparked my love of the medium um, so yeah the first the first comic I remember enjoying was definitely Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and then I think I got a little bit more into um, Superman Batman and the X-Men and stuff as I got a little bit older and you were drawing drawing as a as a child throughout all of that yeah that was it's always kind of been my thing you know how people have the thing that others associate them with even as a mm-hmm. little kid in school everyone in my class would be like oh yeah michael's michael's the one that draws all the time he's the artist and uh every, anytime art class would come around i'd be really excited for it and and it was always just kind of my thing you know that's awesome. And did, so were you just kind of copying the comics that you're reading or were you coming up with your own stories? I was coming up with my own stories pretty young. And I, I think my mom still has a bunch of them in a chest hiding somewhere. But <laughs> um, yeah, I was coming up with my own superheroes and my own villains. And <laughs> I remember an early one was like this guy called the gravitator and he was the, awesome the villain name. and it was a book Very about the cool. villain and he was they found him on the moon or something and he could manipulate gravity to move things around a room. But yeah, I had a lot of these crazy, very, very 90s ideas when I was a kid making up my <laughs> own comics. That's brilliant. So <clears throat> obviously that's where it stemmed from. Um, but uh, kind of moving through to your teenage years, um, where did you continue to draw kind of voraciously or um, did you kind of fall out for a little while or? I would say in high school, I got like pretty into just being social and music and going to concerts and stuff. I still did draw a lot um, at school. I was in all the art classes and I I drew in my free time here and there, but I wasn't, it wasn't like a huge part of my life. I think I was, you know, I just wanted to go out and hang out with my friends and skateboard and play music and, and do stuff like that. So I just wasn't as actively trying to get better at the craft, but I did end up going to um, college in Toronto at the Ontario College of Art and Design and I took illustration so I went from being like a big art kid in high school and and kind of like skater nerd to just going to art school so it, there wasn't really any like big gaps in my drawing and my enjoyment of comics I just kind of changed the comics that I read fantastic and uh, so comeback was your was your first initial professional comic is that right it it was yeah yeah so how did I, that come uh, about 
I, when I graduated from uh, OCAD, I knew that I wanted to go into comics. Um, and I started working on portfolios and I started writing and drawing my own pitches and short stories. And I had reached out, I was looking for a letterer uh, for one of my pitches and I reached out to Ed Brisson, the writer. And uh, at the time he was more known as a letterer actually. And I asked him what his rate was to letter a pitch. And he had checked out my art when I, when I reached out to him and said, you know, well, I, I really enjoy your art. Why don't we do a work trade? And I'll letter your pitch if you draw a short story for me. So I drew uh, one of the web comics he was working at, on at the time called Murder Book. I did a, a little short story with him and we had so much fun collaborating and, and we started building a, a really good professional relationship. So we started pitching books together and uh, Comeback was one of the books that we pitched in the first few years of, of working together. I think I pitched like five or six books that year. And that was the fifth or sixth. And I was kind of at the end of my mm -hmm. rope. I was so yeah. exhausted and tired of getting shut down and shut out. Definitely. But your persistence paid off. So it was well Yeah, I mean, that. it's funny because at the time I felt like it was taking forever, but I was really young. And I, that was naivety and impatience, really, because I know a lot mm -hmm. of people that break in in their early 30s. And I was I was only in my early 20s. So I was just being being a kid kind of, and, and being impatient. So, uh, I would, I'm sure I would have hacked it out for, for a while longer if, if that sure. didn't work out and eventually got there, but it was nice that uh, I was able to get that book through pretty young. That's fantastic. Now, uh, going back to our telepathic aliens, um, <laughs> right, you've, right. You've, you've, you've explained about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, and now they kind of want to try and expand their uh, their awareness of comics. And the first question they ask you is, what's the funniest comic that you've read? Um, I, so when I was going through these uh, these questions from the aliens, I was trying to pick a lot of recent stuff just because it's topical and it's come out recently. And most recently, the comic that I can remember actually laughing out loud out at and, uh, you know, spitting out your drink if you're reading it is uh, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Um, I think that Fraction has this love of the medium and this um, childlike innocence, I think, in his love of, mm. of the superhero genre and the characters that is infectious and it always makes me smile when he gets to write these characters. And um, there's like an absurdism to the book, but it is a there's a genuine aspect to the way that he writes it and that it seems like him and Steve Lieber are just having a blast making the book. So on top of all those things that I love about the writing, uh, I think that Steve Lieber is one of the best artists in North American comics at physical comedy. Um, it's like he could take even a joke that, you know, I would maybe smirk at and make it hilarious because he can make the, the characters on the page act so well. And it's, just oh my gosh it, a lot of it is like deadpan humor but then he goes kind of in swings for the fences at times as well I think he's just got a brilliant eye for comedy and and delivering the punchline with uh grace and elegance but there's so many points throughout Jimmy Olsen where I actually burst out laughing reading a comic which I I don't find that often um like yeah, I'm a fan of, of comedy but I'm not a voracious reader of anything comedic I would say that's it's kind of a middle of the pack genre of things that I read. Yeah, it's it's so precious when you do actually laugh out loud um in a comic. Um and it kind of just shows like oh that that was a really powerful punchline. Like I, I find myself found myself doing that with some of Kyle Stark's work. 
<laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't, it's hard to explain what it is about uh, Jimmy Olsen in that book. There's just so much heart to it. And I love the way that Superman is written too. He's played for comedy so much of the time. Uh, even in the first issue, there's a point where the page ends with him kind of winking at the camera. But when you turn the page, he's still holding the wink. And it made me audibly burst out laughing. And I think my my uh, girlfriend was like, what are you reading? You know, the first time I read through it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a special book. I think it's just like it hits on all levels that it it was going for. That's fantastic. Uh, now, uh, changing gears, the aliens want to uh, flip this on its head and they ask you, what's the saddest comic that you've read? Um, so I, I can't remember which year it would have came out, maybe 2015, 2016, but there was a book called Panther by Breck Evans. And um, it is this beautifully painted um, story about a young girl and her imaginary friend, which is this very menacing looking panther man and uh and it and it goes through the story of their friendship and as the story goes it 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 takes a few different directions and it gets darker and darker and i think there's a point where you realize that the story itself is a bit of a retelling an escapist version of child abuse and Mm -hmm. um it's pretty clear that the the girl has been abused or is being abused in this this whole fantasy world that she's making up is is her form of escapism but the trauma in her real life kind of uh informs this fantasy world that she's making and so the longer she's creating this world uh the more menacing and surreal and scary it gets and it's it's an incredibly powerful beautiful book uh and it's a really well-told story but it is deeply disturbing and upsetting at the same time but it's it's something that i would recommend everybody reading um it definitely would need a trigger warning i think for anybody who has experienced trauma Mm -hmm. childhood trauma like that and abuse so uh it's definitely though i think it's a really artful beautiful book and it has a lot to say definitely It, it looks absolutely beautiful and it's and it's quite a different um format in terms of the dimensions as well it's kind of it's more landscape isn't it yes it is it's a, a wide i guess widescreen landscape uh book yeah. and it doesn't really um it is the storytelling and it doesn't operate on a panel by panel basis there's a lot mm-hmm. of more unstructured pages um, yeah. and more artful experimentation in storytelling and yeah no it's it's incredible when somebody kind of is is brave like that in terms of telling that type of story um yeah yeah i feel like you kind of open yourself up a little bit um yeah. in a way that would be very intimidating i think as a creator or even as a public person yeah 100% it it takes a lot of courage to see that type of thing so um fair play um to uh, to Brett Evans um now um moving on to uh our next question our telepathic aliens ask uh <laughs> what's the scariest comic that you've read it's um I, I feel like this is a hard one um I want to say something by Junji Ito but I feel like uh that's probably been said before on this podcast and i think a that a few times oh <laughs> yeah a lot of people have heard of junji ito so i'd rather maybe go with something that's similar but not as well known so i would say ptsd radio by masakai nakayama 
Um, it is this kind of anthology style series of short stories, short horror stories that all blend together. And it has some of the best page turns I've seen in comics in general. Um, I think that horror comics, a lot of it is about controlling the page turn in a similar way that actually comedy is. Uh, mm-hmm. in comedy and comics, you want to hit that punchline really hard. And with horror, you want to hit that disturbing image and build tension really hard as well. So you're kind of building toward this tension towards a release and in comedy it's the the joke punchline of the joke but in horror it's some kind of disturbing or horrifying imagery and uh pts radio does it maybe better than anything else and whatever it is that he's drawing that is horrifying to him is just absolutely horrifying to me as well there's a lot of this weird hair horror i guess you could say and it's something that i'd never really seen before where hair is like a big part of the imagery in the book, especially in the first volume. And, uh, and it's just really interesting and unique and the draftsmanship is, is gorgeous. So I, I definitely recommend that if you're a horror fan, PTSD radio, it's a, a really beautiful book. Um, and then also I would mention uh, the web comics uh, by Emily Carroll, who does web comics in a way that I don't see enough of where she's telling it in a way that you can only, um read in that form you know like she does have mm-hmm. a print collection of her web comics called through the woods but i think that the stories are much more effective when they're read online so if you just go to emilycarroll.com um the the one i think it's called his hands all red is just it's so good and the so that she'll do these things where you have to scroll through the page uh, and scroll down and down and down and then right. click through and it's this really intentional way of building tension and and moving the reader's eye towards something it's it's she's very innovative and i think she's uh, really an incredible storyteller so i definitely recommend checking out emily carroll's web comics that's fantastic and it's great when you know you're able to um use optimize kind of a, a medium to the to that length where you know you, you're using comics but you're putting it into kind of an interactive device um and yeah just making the most of it yeah totally and i think i think that specifically i mentioned those two because they're a big influence on the sleep stories because the sleep stories is a a series of vignettes and small little one-off tales and um so it's similar in terms of format to ptsd radio but i did try and crib a little bit of emily carroll storytelling techniques because uh, the sleep stories is an infinite scroll so once you load the page you just keep scrolling down and I'm I'm trying more and more to play with that um, the infinite scroll function of reading a webcomic a little bit more to so that it's more interesting to read that way. That's fantastic, cool. Uh, now uh, moving on to my favorite question, and then coincidentally the the favorite question of our telepathic aliens, uh, and that is, what's your favorite cover? Yeah, this is a hard. This is a hard question. There's so yes. many beautiful, <laughs> amazing comic covers, and I'm. Personally, I'm a big sucker for uh, very simple, iconic imagery and um, deliberate graphic design and graphic elements on a cover. But thinking of stuff more recently, uh, Julian Tedesco's cover for Action Comics 1030, I believe is the number. Um, It's this image of a, a little kid wearing a towel as a cape and they're jumping up towards the sky, holding their hand up, pretending to be Superman, and you can see their dog jumping. And there's this 
expression of absolute joy on their face. And in the background, you you can see Superman flying upwards as well. And it's this big, iconic version of Superman that is like the, the platonic ideal of what Superman should look like to me. Mm. Um, and so it, it brings, it evokes a feeling for me of what it was like reading comics as a kid. And anytime I see the cover, I just get this huge smile on my face. I don't even know what that book was about. I didn't read it or I don't even know if it's come out yet, yeah. but it's such <laughs> a perfect cover that yeah. captures everything about what's great about superhero comics especially as a kid reading them and idolizing these characters. And it's not only is that it, it like it tells a story in itself and it's gorgeously painted in this almost yeah. Norman Rockwell esque style uh -huh. uh, that Tedesco's famous for now. He's one of the best cover artists in, in comics in my personal opinion. And uh, he's doing something kind of different than a lot of the other people who are doing more painterly work. It's just, it's just stunning and it should be everywhere. It, it says so much about what makes Super Superman great. No, it is. It's such an iconic, um, such an iconic cover. Um, and uh, just getting obviously that imagery of kind of like the boy becoming the man and, mm -hmm. you know, that wholesome feeling of, you know, a young boy with his dog. And now there's kind of like this man on his own. And, and you got these clouds and shining light behind like he's a god type of thing yeah um it's beautiful it does so much it does it so does. much and it, there's not really it's not over complicated either which i love about no. it there's not this huge mm. cityscape in the background there's it's not overly detailed it, it's mm -hmm. got a very limited palette it's got three visual aspects to it and it does it just it shines it's beautiful um and i think looking back you know, in, in 20 years after the aliens have taken over, <laughs> if comics are still a thing, I think it'll be a cover that people remember. I really do. I think it'll be one of the iconic modern covers in comic books, kind of similar to how I think of that one jock cover uh, from Detective Comics of Joker's face right. and all the bats are flying together, making up the details of his face. And I think that's one of the more modern, iconic covers that um that is going to be remembered and and uh i think this that action comics cover by tedesco specifically is just going to be something special that people look back on with reverence 100 100 percent. that's a fantastic choice uh now another of my favorite questions is what's the most meaningful comic to you um I, so this was also another hard one because i have lots of comics that mean um a lot of different things to me i have comics that you know i lent to my uh, now fiance when we just started dating and, and kind of got her into the more uh, literary side of the medium that are really special to me, like, like blankets or um, I'm trying to remember what else I let, lent her at the beginning of our relationship. Beast at image was a really cool one. Um, but I think something that's really special to me in my collection of comics is uh, I have an original copy of God loves man kills the one with the uh, Bill Sankiewicz cover and when I was in high school, you know, I loved drawing, but I wasn't really thinking about a career in comics. I wasn't really thinking about a career at all. I was just kind of <laughs> living life as you do when you're a young, young man trying to, to make the best out of every day. Uh, I wasn't really thinking about the future, but uh, I did start going to conventions around then and when I was in high school. And uh, I brought my copy of God Loves Man Kills, which is one of my favorite X-Men stories, uh, to Chris Claremont. I stood in line to get to get it signed by him. 
and he was very gracious with his time. And I, I remember asking him, Oh, what's, you know, what are your favorite, what's your favorite thing that you've ever, uh, that you've ever written? What's one of your favorite books? You know? And he, he looked at my copy of God loves man kills with this big smile on his face. And he said, probably this. And he was flipping through it, looking at the art and we were chatting. And then he, he signed it right. Like he took his time to deliberately sign it in an area that was a nice, a visible oh, place for the sign and you know i put it in my case and i walked away so happy just just thrilled with the experience because you know he was one of my favorite writers at the time and he was so kind and generous and just seeing it was one of my first conventions seeing all the creators there and the artists and and the writers signing and, and talking and having fun and laughing it made it seem like a job that was attainable you know and it, it made it seem like this is a thing i could do this this would be the best job that I could ever have in my entire life. And <laughs> I like, I still have that book on the shelves in my office right now. And I keep it close to me because it, it just means a lot to me. It's a very special, special part of my collection. And it, every time I look at it, I remember that day and that, that convention specifically and meeting Chris there. So yeah, it was uh, it's a special, very meaningful comic to me. That's fantastic to have that memory. Um, and those types of types of interactions are quite formative really mm-hmm. yes. aren't they yes um, they are. and uh for instance so um funnily enough um i uh interviewed charlie adlard yesterday um mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh the walking dead was the reason that um i got into comics in the first okay. place um and it was a couple of years ago three years ago even that i i met him at um at thought bubble um, I don't know if you know Thought Bubble, Michael, but is yes, it? Yes, yes, I have yeah. uh, attended Thought Bubble before. Oh, it's a great fantastic. Show. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so um, I met him there. He was, you know, absolutely very, very nice um, and accepted one of uh, my copies of, of, of one of my own books, um, which is fantastic. And then I kind of, yeah, was talking about that yesterday and he he, he actually remembered it. And it's like, wow, amazing. <laughs> and yeah, no, he's just such a nice guy. And like, yeah. just just those little experiences of kind of, you know, big creators just being genuinely, genuinely nice people um, really just goes to show you how welcoming comics is. And and the thing about it too is that now that I'm a professional and I've done hundreds of conventions now over the last eight years, yeah. especially in my early years of mm. being a professional, I was doing every con that I was ever invited to. So I was doing 15 to 20 conventions a year. Um, so yeah, like I've done hundreds of conventions now you don't always have the energy to show that kind of generosity and kindness and excitement to fans i've i've you know on a four-day convention or a five-day convention on the sunday when you're just absolutely exhausted you've been drawing and talking to people for 10 hours a day and then going to after parties and you don't always have the energy to try and put on your best self so it it really does mean a lot i think when when people are able to maintain that generosity and that kindness throughout an entire convention, because it's so, it it is exhausting in a way that Mm -hmm. is kind of indescribable to people that haven't um, exhibited at a show like that, especially like as I'm not uh, denigrating the experience of writers at conventions, but when you're an artist at a convention and you're taking convention sketches, not only are you drawing the whole time, but you're juggling drawing and speaking (laughs) to people. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, trying to eat and have sustenance and be social. And you're also trying, you know, whether consciously or not to rub elbows with editors and people that are important so that you can build relationships and rapport. So it's like, there's, you're juggling so much. And I know I try and be kind and and generous with my time to every single person that I meet, but I'm sure there's been times where I've, I've been quiet or I've been maybe had a frown on my face for a conversation and that was Mm. more out of exhaustion than anything. But, you know, it's just, it's such a, such a hard balance doing shows and being, being on uh, the the whole time that you're there. A hundred percent, man. It's a, it's a tough, tough balance to, to, to strike. And as you say, kind of particularly as an artist, if you're kind of, you're doing a commission work and then you're also thinking, I do, I really need to get to the, to that stand so that I can, yeah, as you say, rub shoulders with that editor and stuff like this. And yeah. Sometimes you do have to cut conversations short um, as yeah, well. Totally. So um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a balance to be struck there for sure. Uh, now, um, moving on to another interesting question, and that is what's the most underrated comic? Um, this is one that I, I lend out a lot uh, to people who are not comics readers as well. And it's one that I think um, people don't expect from the comics medium a little bit who aren't that familiar with it. And it's uh, Day Tripper by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. Um, I think it's one of the best books of the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And it's mm-hmm. and it kind of reminds me a little bit of Will Eisner, uh, Will Eisner's Contract with God and his more slice of lifestyle work in that it... Um, it it talks a lot about the beauty of life and at the same time, the darkness and the fragility of life. Uh, each issue is a story about this man's life. And in each issue at the end, he dies. So I, I it's a little bit of a spoiler, I guess, but it's not, I mean, you read one issue and then it, you'll kind of know what the whole thing is, is that, you know, you could die at any moment of your life. So you have to kind of live every day to its, to its best and, be the best person you can be and it's it's this really really beautiful meditation on that and and not only is it really interesting and well told but the art is stunning it's gorgeous uh, it's it's uh, one of the best looking books i've seen before it's there's a lot of like really nice intimate cartooning and character work but at the same time there's it's so vibrant and uh and saturated and and uh full of um interesting character work yeah it's really it's a special book for sure that's fantastic um yeah no yeah and the the the, the coloring is is beautiful it well. is yeah it's 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 a really cool book and it's and it's a pretty hefty collection as well i think there's yeah. 12 issues in the trade um and i love that it's printed in on this newsprint i'm a i'm a big sucker for newsprint as opposed to high gloss right. paper yeah. um i just really like what it does with the colors it feels like the paper mm. absorbs them in a different way than a glossy paper does Definitely. um yeah, it's a really cool book. It's it makes me sad and happy and reflective all at the same time. Awesome. Well, yeah, it's that's kind of I guess what a good book does. It kind of takes you through the roller coaster of all the emotions, really. Yeah, totally. Um, but totally. but like at the at the end, you feel satisfied, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think so. It makes you want to go out and like see your friends and have a beer. Oh, nice man. Well, hopefully we can do that one day. <laughs> yeah, that would be a, that would be a pleasure. Be Maybe ace, I'll get out the thought bubble again. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed, man. Uh, now, um, moving on to um, what is a fairly new question um, for comics for the apocalypse, and that is, what comic would you recommend to a friend that's never read comics? 
this is also a hard one because I actually do uh, lend out a lot of comics. I have a, a pretty vast and diverse library of books, um, of comic books and novels, and I, they're all situated in my studio. So whenever I have a friend over, I mean, not lately because of COVID, unfortunately, but mm. I'll, I'll often just lend out books or give them away because I, I, I try and get everybody I know into comics at one point or another. So I, I'll usually right. lend out books based on the kind of movies that somebody watches or the kind of books that they read already. But uh, one book that I love, and it's one of my favorite books ever, is Hellboy. And I think Hellboy has a, a great balance of a lot of different genres. I mean, there's there's horror stories in Hellboy. There's adventure stories. There's there's full comedy. There's an amazing drawing. There's there's almost a, a poetry to the way that some of the stories are told. So I would probably, if someone's never read comics, I would lend them um, one of the one of the collections of the short comics from Hellboy, the one that has. Mm. Um, the corpse in it and that one also has a, a few of the, my other favorites as well inside of it i think it would be uh i think it's in the like the library edition volume two so that's what i would probably lend right. out to someone and be like look at all these different things that comics can do it can make you laugh it can make you cry it can scare you it can kind of brighten your day and i think it shows the diversity of things that um that comic books are capable of and i do like the idea also that it's just one writer and one artist as well. And it shows that um, you can do a lot, like one person's unique vision and authorship can create like this crazy, unbelievable world. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, uh, it's just a fun book. It's a, it's a great book for so many different reasons. And I think a lot of artists and writers and comic book creators all have that same reverence for Hellboy. That's a fantastic choice. Um, And uh, yeah, um, that's just brilliant that, um, you can kind of wrap something up in a package from one creator as well um, for someone yeah. to kind of get an essence of kind of what's possible with comics um, because yeah. not not everybody kind of realizes what's possible because you know they they see Marvel movies and they just think oh that's comic books right um, yeah <laughs> like that's part of it but you know um, there's there's a lot more to it than that um, certainly um, and uh, Hellboy is a great example of that. Uh, now, um, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? I have been going back and forth on this <laughs> all day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's really hard one. Uh, but another comic that I think kind of has everything is Bone um, by Jeff Smith. It's a book that I also kind of grew up on and I have some really fond memories and nostalgia associated with that book. Uh, I reread it, you know, once every few years and any book that I can reread often is something that I think you'd want to bring into the apocalypse because I'm sure you won't have a lot of access to other books. But <laughs> I grew up, um, you know, going to the supermarket and reading Bone in the back of Disney Adventures magazine. And I just have such fond memories of sitting in the in the um, the supermarket cart and and reading Disney Adventures while my mom pushed pushed the cart around and threw groceries into the cart. And, uh, and it, I loved it then and I still love it. And it's a great book for kids. And I would be, I mean, I hope in the apocalypse, like I'd be trying to produce some kids to keep the human race going too. So that would be a good book to give to some kids in the apocalypse and get them to fall in love with comics again. It's, that's also a book that I lend out a lot to my friends that are now having children, because I know, um, 
I loved it so much as a kid that I'm trying to make sure that the the next generation of children are into comics and cool stories like that. Nice. And then hopefully you might be able to start kind of a, a quiet revolution um, yeah, through, yeah. through all the, the comic revolution. suggestions that you're kind of making to people. <laughs> you know, yeah, like any, just any, just slipping any... V for Vendetta and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And anytime I think of an alien invasion apocalyptic future i think of uh, the xenogenesis books by octavia butler have you have you by chance read any of those no 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 i can't recommend them highly enough it's a very interesting take they're they're actually pretty quick read i think it's a trilogy of books and it's called the xenogenesis saga and uh it's about there's an apocalypse a man-made apocalypse but the aliens kind of watch it happen and then they come and they take the remnants of humanity up into their ship and I don't want to spoil it because I think that it does a lot of interesting things that I didn't expect the first time I read it. But um, their plans for humanity, needless to say, are very interesting. And I think it says a lot about us as a race and what what alien species might think of us. So it's it's a yeah. very, very interesting book. Uh, I highly recommend it, the Xenogenesis trilogy. Fantastic. I've noted that down. I'm going to check it out. That's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, now, along with uh, Bone, um, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take into the apocalypse with you as well? Well, I kind of said the pen. The pen and paper, paper but I'm going to give you another item. <laughs> another item. Um, something that could help me make food, probably, because I'm going to need sustenance. Uh, but we don't know if we're going to have power, right? So, yes. Uh, I like a book of matches is going to get used quickly. Um, what what is the stone that you a flint? Maybe a flint. I would just make sure to bring a yeah. flint, a flint and an axe or something, um, just to make sure I can make fire and cook food, or uh, a bag of seeds to plant some crops and start growing some food. Because if it's the apocalypse Excellent. and we, we don't have power, a... we're going to need sustenance. A hundred bag of seeds or a um, flint. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, Sounds I'm just like a plan. Think of what I would use on Survivor, I guess. Yeah, as well, right? Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Well, we can provide you with all of that. And Michael Walsh, thank you so much for sharing your your comics for the apocalypse. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, no problem. It's been a blast. I I can talk about comic books all day long. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, and for the listeners, one more time, where can they find you online? Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is Mr. Underscore Walsh. And then you can read the Sleep Stories webcomic at thesleepstories.com. And um, if you go michaelwalsh.com or michaelwalshcomics.com, you can find a portfolio of my work and a bunch of my art that I have for sale. And then you'll you'll find uh, a page there where you can see some more details about the silver coin, my upcoming horror book with Image fantastic um and hopefully um once cons do get going again you'll make your way back over to thought bubble i would love to i had a blast at thought bubble i think it was three years ago i went to thought bubble and um and it was one of my favorite shows that i've been to i i'm a big fan of nycc i love thought bubble and i love the uh toronto comic-con so those are three of my favorite shows in the entire world now. And and I really do love coming crossing the ocean and hanging out in England for a little while. So I would yeah. love to be back. Well, you'll always be welcome. Um, so thanks very much, Michael. Thank you. Thanks again. Take care. 
Thanks again to Michael for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Michael's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.